Hello and welcome to this episode of General Order 4 and thanks so much again for tuning in with us. This is part two of a conversation that we started last week with Brother Amos Graham and so we are here again, Pastor Stewart and I with Amos Graham and we're just going to kind of hop right back in where we left off. Churches today, in a lot of ways, operate with a business mindset. You put your sign up to attract people. You do things to attract people. You have programs to attract people, and we're doing these things. And every and, and what is the product? You have to look at the product coming out of that. And I'm sorry, but the product that is coming out of the modern day church, and I'm going to lump a bunch of them together, denomination. The product coming out. Sorry, and I don't mean that to be rude to people. What it is is you're using the wrong tool for the wrong job. Um, I had a pastor once. I heard this illustration, and I've never forgotten it because it's ridiculous. But he said he he went to the store to buy a screwdriver. He broke a screwdriver. Went to the store to buy a screwdriver. And they only had one screwdriver. And it's a really expensive screwdriver. So he's like, I just broke down. I paid way too much money for a screwdriver. And I took it home. And he said, this really nice screwdriver really was nice. Had a nice handle on it. Was made of good metal. And he said, but that inside the screwdriver was an instruction manual. And he said, I've never bought a screwdriver that had an instruction manual. <laughs> wow. So he said, I opened the instruction manual out of curiosity and began to read through it. And he said, in the instruction manual, it says not to use a screwdriver to pry things. And he said, who in this room has never used a screwdriver to pry things? <laughs> That's my biggest tool in my tool. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody uses a screwdriver to pry things because it's handy and it's steel. And, and it's it works. straight and small and it works, right? <laughs> so he said, you're not supposed to use a screwdriver to pry things. Everybody does. I mean, I, for my own personal use, the screwdriver, my, the funniest thing I do all year with a screwdriver is at Christmas time, we get the Christmas tree, we put it in the, the tree stand, okay? And the tree stand has eye bolts in the side of it that go in and hold the tree up. And those eye bolts are so sapped from last year, the sap, the old sap sitting in there, that they will not turn. Yeah. So I stick the screwdriver through that eye bolt and I start twisting it and it goes just yeah. fine. But that is not the tool that is intended for that. Correct. That's what a crowbar is for, it's what a pry bar is for. There's lots of tools that are for that action that are not a screwdriver. How did he break his screwdriver? He broke it because he was prying something. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. So that wasn't the tool for the job. And I think we're doing the same thing when we invent manward ideas and, 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 and programs and big events and try to gather people in and we're trying to build the Lord's church on our shoulders and our efforts and our manward ideologies. And we're using a tool that works for a different purpose. Mm -hmm. It works to gather a crowd. It works to get a bunch of people in a room. It works to increase your offering or it works for a lot of stuff, but it isn't the tool for the job of actually growing yes. the church, which is what only Jesus can do. Right. And he's chosen to do that by his spirit and through his word. Yes. And so we're using the wrong tool for the job. It's frustrating. Yeah. And it's, it is frustrating. It's very frustrating because you're trying to do something. I think one of the biggest epiphanies, if I can use that word, 
um, happened to me in my office just a few doors down where I got irritated, just frustrated. I'm preaching, I'm studying, I'm in my office praying, and I'm asking God to do a great work, and it is not happening in my mind. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, some of the people are being belligerent. Some folks could care less. Some folks are just, they're just doing what they do, and nothing is happening. And I finally just told them, I'm done. Why am I here? You called me here. This place isn't going well. I was two and a half, three years into in my pastor. This is just insane. And no, just as clear as I'm sitting here, the Holy Spirit puts uh, uh, Matthew 16, 18. <laughs> Thou art Peter. When upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And for the first time in my life, the Holy Spirit slapped me upside the head, and those words, I will build my church, yes. were eliminated. Amen. And I sat down in my chair, and I said, I literally went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the Word of God actually liberated me. Amen. Yeah. I was Amen. trying to do God's work for him. And that day, it took a load off of me. Let me build my church, Jesus said. Mm-hmm. I'll do it. You do what I've called you to do, and I'll take care of the rest. And I've been happy ever since. Our church has had ups and downs, good and bad, but I've lost the desire. Would I love to have a big church? Truthfully, I don't know if I would, no. Yeah. More people, more problems, and don't get me wrong if you're, you know, but I mean, that's I, the, the what I've got. God's given me enough to handle what I have. Amen. You know, the other day you and I were talking and you were kind of letting me into your head a little bit as to how things were going early on when we started sharing with you. Really, I didn't have to teach you the, the material in the sense that you, you had the doctrine, you had the, the teachings. But when we were sharing with you how we teach it and and, the, and that life, how how God transfers that life from one individual to the other. And so if you could kind of speak to, if you're willing to, yeah. speak to the fact of where were you when I first first started sharing with you, what you were looking forward to, and, and just kind of the time frame that, that was necessary okay. to get there. You and I have known each other now for what, four years? Four, four or five years. Something like that. Um, when you when you reached out to me um, at that preachers fellowship and we began to we began to talk, um, you you had mentioned to me and I really don't even remember you uh, talking to me so much about teaching this. I don't I honestly don't remember that conversation. I do remember you and I the first time we spent just some some time heart to heart talking. Um, the thing that you you held a carrot out in front of me. <laughs> and right that sounds familiar and so so here I am and, and what you said was you know you're talking in conversation about brother Craig one of your men and um, you know you're you're and you're, you're saying things like you know so I was teaching him the rules of a good Bible study and I'm I'm nodding along like I know what you're talking about I don't know Jack <laughs> you know I know and, and truthfully as we've you and I have gone through those. <clears throat> yes, I used many of them, but not in any kind of orderly fashion or be able to put them in a position that I can lay over a piece of Scripture and decipher and make a, a righteous, right, rightly dividing decision. So you held that carrot out in front of me. You did not know that. I didn't tell you that till just recently. Sure. But you said, you know, 
you said, I have something that I'll, I'm willing to sit down with you and teach you. And it, ha- it has the rules of a good Bible study. And truthfully, for three years now, I've waited <laughs> for the rules of a good Bible study to come to my, you know, come in, into view. And so, but I, I'm, God used that in my life because I'll say this all along the way. Like you said, a lot of the stuff I knew, you're not necessarily teaching me anything new per se. Mm-hmm. But I have to say this, there are things that I did learn, things that I had forgotten, mm-hmm. things that I, I didn't remember, um, things that other pastors who, who put this material together brought to light that I, I never thought of. Yeah, for me, yeah. I had similar things where connections were made in yeah. my brain. It's like I got information on yeah. different sides. So I and knew I knew together. A and I knew Z and I knew the, all the letters in between, but they weren't in the right order. You know, yes. And it's yes. like it, it got tied together for me in yeah. in, a, in a way that was immensely helpful. So that now I don't just know something to be true; I know how to explain it to somebody else. Yes, and and you see, I saw that one of the things as we gone through that. Uh, my eyes were reopened to the thread that runs and is woven all the way through Scripture, the truth that's there. And truthfully, if I had to wait three years to get something as, you know, the, the rules of a good Bible study that way, God used that in my life. But if I had to wait that long to get that, I'd have quit. Yeah. So truthfully, along the way, those sweet times of seeing stuff, yes, that I know, I know a bunch of information in a bunch of different file cabinets, but none of it's organized. To be able to see the sweetness of God bringing this together and weaving it into a, a some kind of an outlined, uh, what would you call it, ordered fashion, yeah, in intentional fashion, those times kept me going with you through that time. And so um, that really changed, it really changed, and it's changed my heart um, in a way, the, truthfully, the only way I know to do this now and make it work, I, I'm to the point in my life I don't I don't have time to waste. Yeah. And so I don't I'm not just going to go. It, it to me, truthfully, I don't want to waste my time preaching, and I can and I have, if I'm just preaching the Bible from the pulpit. Now I know the Word of God does not return void, and I I, I trust that. Mm-hmm. But I also know my people. Mm-hmm. And I know some of them, many of them, if not all of them, are in need of the same information that I am, as a maturing Christian, have. If I need it, I know they need it. Amen. And so, again, I'm going to waste my breath if I'm preaching doctrinal sound truth that falls on ears that are not ready. I'm stuffing a steak down a mouth that's ready for milk. Yeah. And so I have to, you know, now I'm learning to do the work behind the scenes to minister to people personally Mm -hmm. so that when I do preach, they're now able to pick up their fork and knife and disseminate what, you know. We talked about earlier the the liberty that you felt from that passage in Matthew when God revealed to you that it it wasn't your job to build the church. Has learning the, the... methodology of discipleship from scripture and 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 implementing it and, and seeing it implemented in our friendship and what God's doing in in our church as well as in your church has that liberated you in any way if you want to speak to that maybe no it's actually put me in bondage but you know you do what you can 
No, it is ab- absolutely has liberated. You can cut that out. <laughs> it has absolutely liberated me for this reason, for the same reason. We have been studying this that for for so many years, the church, I don't know where it fell apart. I don't know where the mindset came from. But we began to operate, and I was part of churches, and I think this way. I think churches today in a lot of ways operate with a business mindset. You put your sign up to attract people. You do things to attract people. You have programs to attract people. And we're doing these things. And every and, and what is the product? You have to look at the product coming out of that. And I'm sorry, but the product that is coming out of the modern-day church, and I'm going to lump a bunch of them together, denomination, the product coming out is sorry. And I don't mean that to be rude to people, but I'm just saying it is not a product that is godly. Mm-hmm. It's not a product that's going to stand the test of time. There are people who have a religious knowledge, but they don't have the power. They have a form of godliness, but they don't have the Holy Spirit living within. Or if they do, they've never given him his rightful place yeah. and allowed him to grow in their life. The only statistic you need to prove that is the teenage dropout of church rate. Yes. That's where, all you need. Where people, the they point. walk away. And that hurts. I can't. You know, I, 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 that that bothers me, and so what it what it did was talking about the programs. It brings me back to the program that Christ has. Mm-hmm. His program is simple. He yeah. provides the material. He provides the power. Yeah. He provides the the direction. He provides the foundation, and all he needs is not for us to think up new ways. Yeah. He just needs for us to do what he said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that has probably been the biggest liberating factor in the whole thing. Just let Jesus be Jesus. Learn what he said to do. Don't sit there and fluff it. Don't yeah. turn it over and try to figure out how you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Just do what he said. Yeah. And in that regard, it is absolutely liberating. Because I am not a good brainstormer. I'm not a creative person in the sense that the world would talk. I don't sit and come up with great ideas. Yeah. And I don't have the ability to, you know, come up with a master plan. And so as a result, I've beaten my head against the wall and then just learning this here, it's I'll, it's liberated me in the way too. It's given me in a way to love my people where they are. Mm. Amen. Not judge them by where they are spiritually or what what I see in their life. It's given me the ability to love them where they are, to help them grow from where they are to where Christ wants them to be. Amen. Yeah. And I and, and I, I enjoy them. <laughs> I can. It's given me the ability to enjoy my people That's awesome. and not condone. That does not mean that I condone their sin. Doesn't mean I just accept them as they are. Yeah. If, if you know what I mean. Right. But it it allows me to enjoy them, and watch, what God does as He works through me to invest in them, and see those little steps. So, so having that intentional plan has freed you up to enjoy being with them, knowing that you have the tools to help them get from where they are yeah. to Christ-likeness. I love them. Amen. Mm-hmm. They're not always lovable. Neither am I. Yeah. But it is. it has given me what, what they need. And one, one man that stopped by, my best friend's dad, stopped through our church years ago, a, few, a couple of years ago, just stayed 
where we are sitting right now. And uh, he told me, he took me out to lunch, and he said, Brother Graham, if there's one thing I know, he said, I, he said, this church, you love your people. Amen. I don't know if that's that visible, but I, I do say that that's one of the things that I have noticed is that some of the people that are just, they're the ones that love them dearly, but they make me grit your teeth. You know, yeah. you're just like, really? <laughs> you know, come on. Through, through letting Jesus do what he does, let the Holy Spirit do what he does, let the Word of God do what it will do, and me do what I'm supposed to do. You leave the rest to the Lord, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome because you'll see some grow, some some struggle, some fail, some leave. But I've watched a lot of them make improvements and grow. And mm-hmm. I think to my, that that makes it's Psalm eighty six seventeen. Show me a token for good. I don't need the world to change. I don't need a huge miracle. But it's those little things that that it, and and it's not just growth. It's solid growth. Mm-hmm. They're learning to rely on Jesus, Amen. and they'll grow a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And in time, they'll be teaching somebody else to do the very same thing. And then if I die, something happens to me, and I'm out of the picture, they will still serve Jesus. Mm-hmm. They're not in it for me. Yeah, they're in it for Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At that, if I can stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and not have well, I follow. I got people to follow me, but they didn't follow you. Mm-hmm. You know, I won't have that on my head. Lord, I, I taught them to follow you. Yeah. And that's that that's liberating to Loving me. Jesus and loving people. Yeah. With a plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His and it's his plan. Yeah. That's, Who knew? That's sweet. right. Yeah, that's sweet, isn't it? Jesus' program's the best program out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the guaranteed one. Right? Yeah. Well if I can pivot the conversation on its heels. You said something towards the very beginning of the interview that I have a personal interest in because my kids are very young and you have some that are a bit older, um, some that are looking at college and other things. So my question is this. You were shown this discipleship model a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Some of your kids were already older. Um, But how has that impacted the way that you deal with your children especially those that are saved, if not all of them, I don't know. Um, But now you know they have the Holy Spirit working in them, so therefore you have the ability to bring them along with the aid of the Holy Spirit. So how has that changed not just your, I mean, your parenting, yes, but in essence the discipleship of your own children? That is a a good question. I would would lie to you if I said I got it down. As we were talking earlier, uh, even last night, but either today, that's one of the things we spend a lot of our time focused on the people outside. You had talked about, even this morning, sometimes we can give advice on marriage and we know the answer to somebody else's issue, but we completely overlook the same issue or in in our marriage. Mm -hmm. And... I do. I see that in my own family. My wife and I have talked a lot about that. I can disciple these other folk, but our own kids. What didn't happen to me? What what I wished somebody would have done to me is the desire that, that we have for our children. I have not yet actually sat down and just taken them through that. But what we do is our dining room table 
becomes that that's not just a table to eat at. Our kids are not allowed to get up and leave the table without my permission. Um, does it always work? I got some little ones. They have to use the restroom, and somehow, what happens is, is inadvertently, I'm talking, and then they haven't come back, and then I hear them singing in the bathroom with the door open. So we have to call them back, get them back in the line. You know, I, I say that because life happens. You know, but in the middle of that life happening, what discipleship has helped me to do is be able to teach my kids. And just deal with whatever they're dealing with. You can disseminate information, but if it's not receivable, and if it's Mm -hmm. not received, it does no good. And so my kids don't necessarily, they're all at different stages in life. Some are young adults, some are middle school, some are high school, some are, you know, just beginning school. So I got this dynamic. But what I do is no matter what age they are, I will deal with some of their problems at the dinner table. And we'll take time. And discipleship has allowed me, has really made me um, familiar with weaving Scripture together, comparing Scripture with Scripture, and being able to just help them, whatever their problem is. Amen. I don't always have the answer, but truthfully I have. I have had the answers that it needed because of, uh, of, of that type of organized study. So what I'm hearing you say is that the the Holy Spirit now has the framework to use to bring to your remembrance His Word as it applies to whatever situation, whether it's counseling your children or anybody else in the church or just anybody you meet along the side of the road. You have a tool now that the Holy Spirit can use to help you to meet those needs in a real pinpointed fashion and and see God uh, God's word uh, absolutely brought to their life and, and applied to their situation. I think one of the things that that helps is, and I'm thinking about this too, because sometimes kids don't. I don't know. I don't. They're all different. They're not necessarily. You can, like I said, disseminate information, but if it's not readily taken and applied, then they don't have anything to do with it. It it mm-hmm. it, it does what we happens to us sometimes in sermons. Yeah. Most of the information goes bounces around and leaves. What we've been able to do is we're my kids are up to par with uh, up to par, but they are they understand what's going on in politics. Um, they understand what's going on with the movement in the world today, the onset of the transgender LGBT, those types of things going on, and now that stuff is entering the secular side of the church. And so, you know, what am I, my, that's the world my kids are growing into. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? And so, in that regard, the discipleship has helped me to equip them. They understand that. And what that does is that piques their interest. It affects them. Yeah. And so, using those tools, talking about what's going on today, and talking about things that they have dealt with, things that they hear about, they got questions. We inadvertently start talking, and we talk Scripture. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter what so and so says they are. It matters what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. We're taking our kids back, and so they're learning that all of their foundational beliefs don't come from dad. Yeah, they come from the Word of God. And my, we stress on that. You have to, at some point, kids, you're going to have to have your own relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It starts at salvation, but what we're trying to do is help you. To grow, and this is what you do, mm-hmm. and it and it 
God willing, we model that because it does have to be modeled. You can't just talk about it. Yeah. But it does need to be. Deuteronomy chapter 6. You talk about it when you get up. You talk about it when you're working during the day, when you're walking by the way. You talk about it when you lie down. You talk yeah. about it when you sit down to eat. talk about it when you go to bed. The Word of God is vital. It's just vital. It doesn't just need to be talked about, as it were. It yeah. needs to be lived. Yep. Yeah. And I have to say that I've watched well, that's what children. That's what it is, getting up, lying down. He's talking about everyday life Your stuff. life needs to revolve around it. Mm-hmm. And I have watched the spirit of our children. We've changed, made some changes in education. And I've watched the spirit of our children. And i got to say, from what I can what I can see as a dad, I don't necessarily know their heart. But what I can see is many of them, if not all of them, are tracking a, a way that I would... If there's one thing that my wife and I pray for is that they love the Lord Jesus Christ. If they'll love Him... Yep. Whatever happens to us, mm-hmm. they're gonna be okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I I would add to that. That happened to me because of my father. My dad didn't know how to disciple me, but my dad didn't know how to follow Christ. Mm-hmm. He did. The, he does the best that he knows how, and I watched that. Yeah, that affected me. Mm-hmm. His love for the Lord Jesus Christ. I, don't, I wouldn't say you don't transfer God doesn't have grandkids Yeah. but I caught what dad had Yeah. and because of that I often look to my dad my dad's still to this day just faithful as a clock serving the Lord Jesus Christ quiet man behind the scenes nobody really knows he's there but the man loves Jesus and that love changed me mm-hmm. and if there's one thing that I can get my kids to do is to do that very thing Amen. So anyway, didn't mean to shed tears on that, but that's quite all right. Is that's really important stuff. That's that's really why we're here. Yeah, it's one of our most important duties. I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired as a pastor and as a Christian. I'm tired of the fake modern day touchy feely. I'm just going to say it, garbage Christianity that mm-hmm. Satan has sold and people have bought. Yeah. yeah, It has a form, but there's no Holy Spirit in it. Yeah, There's no godliness. And when, when, life, when life smacks up against your religion, your religion is going to have to stand or fall. Yeah. And what we're watching today, Jesus said that in the last days many will fall away. We're watching people's religion meet the onslaught of the oncoming agendas, of ultimately what Jesus said would happen and their religion is crumbling it's yeah. exploding and disintegrating before their very eyes and they don't know what to do yeah well I think what we talked about earlier today in this men's meeting that we're in we were talking about what you talked about earlier about Christ building his church what we've done is we've built the church on our shoulders Yes. And then when all the hounds of hell came running out, yes. busting at the gates, the gate the gates we built didn't hold up. Right. Because he didn't build it. That's right. And and so now that's what we're seeing. We're seeing all of this phony stuff that was built by man and our ideologies crumble. Yes. Because it can't hold up to the onslaught of the devil, the onslaught of hell. Yes. And so the gates of hell that are supposed to not be able to prevail against the church, 
are prevailing against what we have called church. Yes. But it isn't church. Not not Christ's church. No. And I remember having, I distinctly remember having a conversation with Pastor Hernan Halana, who we've interviewed on this podcast, about this very thing. He'd come to the States. He lives in Australia, pastors over there. He'd come to the States to do a wedding for somebody. And it was at a crucial time in my life. And I was on deputation. I'd been on deputation for like seven months. And I was discouraged, frankly. Because I was going to church after church after church that I know were going to be closed in 10 years. Mm. Because they're jam-packed, full of elderly folks that love the Lord, but aren't doing anything. Yes. And aren't teaching anybody else. Yes. And Grandma might have one grandkid that still comes because she makes him. Right. And... The church won't be there in 10 years. And I'd been to church after church after church after church like that. And I was like, what is this? Because it isn't alive. Mm -hmm. And I was discouraged about it. And I told him about it. And I said, frankly, I'm frustrated. And I'm tired of seeing this. I know this isn't what's supposed to happen. And he was able to encourage me and just... Basically, he said, look, God can use whoever he wants to to get you where you need to go. And he'll use the world's money if he has to. Right. But um, one of the things that was an encouragement to me that he talked about was you don't have to do that. Just because that's what you're seeing everybody else do doesn't mean that you have to do that. Yes. You don't have to live defeated. You can live victorious and do that through the word of God. I watch, um, I was reminded, my old youth pastor tells a story about popping a dead cow. There's life on the inside of a dead animal. It's not the life of the animal. Mm -hmm. It's the life of bacteria who are eating the decaying body of of the, I mean, there's life. And just because you have a group of people together doesn't mean there's life there. Mm. And what I, the modern day church that I'm that I'm aware of, is looking for that emotional connection to Christ, and they think they find it in music. That's their that's the biggest thing. They're using music, and then they're using all manner of different, I'll say, manipulations mm-hmm. to bring about this experience. And I'm just going to say this. I believe, truthfully, it's much much of that is strange fire. It's not Holy Spirit-led. Mm-hmm. It is emotionally stirred. Now, on that being one of the things I've learned in my life, God built me with emotions. Mm-hmm. But my emotions are not to rule my life. My emotions are to respond to my life. And so that being said, one of the things discipleship has taught me is to taught me to deal with truth first. Mm-hmm. To deal with the Word of God, mm-hmm. no matter where it's at. Number one, the first emotion I experienced was fear. Yeah. A fear that I was going, I knew I was dying and going to hell. But as John Newton wrote in Amazing Grace, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, but that same grace, that fear relieved. Mm-hmm. The moment that I trusted Christ. And so when I, when I, so those emotions respond, as it were. Sure. But I don't live my life that way. I will say this. People want an emotional connection to Jesus. It doesn't always happen, but I will say that when you walk with him according to his word and you live in truth and you do 
with what God has given you already and grow with it, the emotions that you're looking for will come. Mm-hmm. Yep. They'll be there. Those times that you hear old preachers of old and people of old talk about where you know, I was by myself with a, I was by myself in my prayer closet and God just reached down and got a hold of me. Those times will come. Amen. But if the only thing the only way you can relate to God is through an emotional experience, you're not gonna have that. Yeah. I don't have an emotional I don't have an emotional conversation with my wife every minute of every day. Yeah. Sometimes our, our conversations are heated. Sometimes they're just informational. They're mm. just me giving she giving information, stuff I need to do, she needs to do, stuff going on. It doesn't make me any less connected to her. No. Right? But dealing with the Lord Jesus Christ in truth and just learning, then it teaches me what he is. Yeah. Yeah. And who I am in my position. And that's something to get excited about. I don't sure. need seven eleven song <laughs> to wind me up yeah. to do that. God himself will do that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, my dad's a chemical engineer by trade, and so when I was a kid on occasion they'd take us to this the plant that he worked in smelled awful. Um, <laughs> yeah. But what they were doing is they were making um, they were making corn syrup out of feed corn and, and, yes. and things. And so they'd do it. They had all these processes by which they'd break it all to bits and they'd get the corn syrup out and then they'd turn add it and make get the sugar and all this kind of stuff. So anyway, as we go through that pro that process and they'd go from this is the raw corn all the way to this is the final product. In the middle were several times in which there was byproduct. Yes. And those byproducts they would use for other things. Um, but they would have the, a byproduct that they would say, okay, well, we use this bit and we mix it in with this and then we sell it as feed corn for cattle or whatever. And they had all these byproducts as you went down and there was a lot of byproducts. And they'd found ways to make money on the byproducts. But the end goal was the corn syrup. Right. Because that was where the money was made. Right. And so they would start with something that did not look like corn syrup, go through the process and make corn syrup. And then there was all these byproducts. And the problem that what you're describing has is that that relationship and emotional connection that we that we love and is an enjoyable experience with Christ is the byproduct. Yes. And we're seeking the byproduct. Amen. And you can only make so much of the byproduct through that process. Right. Right. Yeah. But that's not the goal. The goal is to be Christ-like. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And if we can be Christ-like, it increases the relationship with Christ and increases, therefore, the that emotional connection. And you get the byproduct, too. Right. But you don't get the byproduct without going through the process. Yes. Yes. And that's exactly what you're talking about. The the church has decided it likes the byproduct better than the product. Right. And therefore it doesn't get the byproduct either. We have uh, it reminds me of the example of the Old Testament of Eli when he was the priest in the book of 1 Samuel. And the Bible says an heir the lamp of God went out. And the light went out, and and it's my understanding that at some point Hophni and Phineas, his boys, relit that fire. But if you know anything about that, that fire, especially on the altar of incense, was started by God, mm-hmm. and their job was to maintain it. Yeah. You didn't start the fire. You didn't. 
God started it, you keep it burning. And it represented the prayers of his people as it went over the veil into the holy place. But what those buzzards did is they let it go out, all three of them, dad mm-hmm. and the two boys. And the boys were like, oh, that's fine. We'll just relight it ourselves." And God called it strange fire. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what we have produced today is this it, 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 the Holy Spirit's not within 10,000 miles of that and we produce this strange fire that's produced in this, the emotional byproduct and it doesn't last it doesn't it can't what could because when it meets life when it meets reality when it meets a political agenda when it meets just life in general family problems financial problems that thing will disintegrate like a piece of flash paper in a fire just it's gone mm-hmm and that's why you, uh, you have to have the Lord Jesus Christ. Got to. Well, brother, we've really enjoyed the conversation that we've been able to have. And I think I'm going to go ahead and cut this thing off or we'll go on forever. <laughs> I've enjoyed it. Amen. Good. I'm, Amen. I'm, I'm glad. We've, we've enjoyed talking to you. We always enjoy talking to you. But I think it's been good, especially for our listeners, to kind of get a, a glimpse of a pastor who's really just starting to do this, but starting with the right philosophy, starting with the right methodology as well. And um, you know, we've addressed in the last couple of episodes the idea of matching your methodology to your philosophy. And that's really what you've described in your personal testimony is that process by which God said, you got the right ideas. You just not do it the right way. Yes. And, and you're using the wrong tool for the job, you know. And so it's been good for that to be re- reiterated through the personal testimony of someone, I think, for our listeners. So I appreciate that. If I can add one thing to that, my prayer has been, along with... Because of the struggle, I want to see the church grow. I want to see the church grow spiritually. One of my prayer requests has been many times to the Lord, God, give me people who are spiritually hungry. Mm. And as I sit here and we think that the majority of our church are people who I can at any given time pour into. Amen. Now I'm at another another quandary. I, I'm, I'm running out of my bucket's only big enough. You know, I can't <laughs> fill. So the Lord's answered my prayer in both fashions. I'm, Lord, I don't want to just. I don't want just bodies. I want people that I can invest in. Mm-hmm. And He's done that. And I will say though that in in His grace too, He's my bucket has been enough to suffice. Amen. But their buckets are getting bigger, and I can't. You know, <laughs> I can't give enough at a time. So. I've watched God answer on both sides. He's given me the people to pour into, and He's given me the ability to pour into them through mm-hmm. through this discipleship program. That's awesome, man. And I um, would stop and say discipleship program. It's not a program. The discipleship model. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm I'm glad to hear that. I really am, and that it's encouraging for me as a guy who's about to go to the field to do the very thing that we're talking about. Yes. To to be able to talk to people who are seeing it happen in real time. Mm-hmm. And I, like I mentioned before, would travel and go from place to place and would pick pastors' brains and not get any information, not get any answers, not understand. They didn't have an understanding either. And it wasn't their fault. No one ever taught them either. Right. And so it, it's good for me, and I'm sure for the listener as well, to get that relief of it doesn't just work. It works because it was designed to. By the old, by the great designer himself. Mm-hmm. Amen. I'm not just doing something that works. I'm doing what I was meant to do. 
Yes. Not doing something with the wrong tools or the wrong thing the right way or, or yes. anything like that. And so, anyways, we've got to wrap this thing up. So, uh, it's been great talking to you. If you are still listening to this, uh, we appreciate you listening today. And uh, you can always, as always, we, we'd like to encourage you to reach out. If you have any questions or comments, I'll give you the information to do that in just a little bit. And then also, uh, if you would share this with someone else, we do not do any kind of advertising. We don't make any money on this thing. We're just trying to be a blessing to people. So, if you would uh, like, share, subscribe, comment, all of that helps. And uh, we appreciate you very much. And we'll be back next week. Thanks so much. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of General Order 4. On next week's episode, we'll be talking about where we can find disciples. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us by email at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R. Or on Twitter at General Order the number 4. Please like, share, and subscribe.